Hello, everybody. This is G Money, and with me today is Big Homie and Booker T. And today we're going to talk about too open or not too open. That is the question that your states are answering right now. But more importantly, what should you do as your states choose to open or not to open? Okay, let's go. The push that the states have related to opening is definitely from an economic standpoint and less about the health and the welfare of the people. Um, So I think that that is something that individuals are going to need to turn around and take a look at personally for what it is that they do uh, so that they're putting their family and their their, uh, well-being uh, first and foremost as they make the decision in terms of how they're going to participate in this opening. Yeah, I would agree with that. So many people are, you know, we got the stimulus checks, right? And ultimately, they wanted the stimulus checks to go towards you spending them frivolously at retail stores to help drive the economy. But those stimulus checks are going towards people paying their rent and their their, their bills. So it didn't do what they wanted it to do. So I, I agree, we're opening because the economy is is dying. But there's so many people that are unemployed. I think the pressure from society and, and gee, we've had this conversation about just the impact on on the the citizens. Too many people out of work, too many people in the in the food lines. Like we we have to get to a point that something's going. And I think there's so much I think this is the first time I've seen the government be impacted by the people. Because I think you look at Michigan, right? People are walking on the Capitol. They're forcing the governor to say, hey, it's unconstitutional for you to force us to stay at home. And that that's where the huge debate is. Is, is it constitutional? Is it, is it not constitutional? So um, I, I personally feel it is about the economy, but I think the pressure from the average everyday citizen is really putting pressure on our governments to say, we have to, whether it's with stay at home order or social distancing, um, something to try to get the economy going and get, get people back to work. So, because as you and I talked to you, when's the next $2 trillion coming? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the interesting thing is when I talk about this and we talk about the opening up for business, right? Opening up the economy. And I've said this before, the president can't open up the economy. The governors can't open up the economy. Only us as consumers can open up the economy. And the question is, how much are you willing to go consume, right? How much are you willing to go back and do certain things that you did before this coronavirus? Are you willing to go to the barbershop? Are you willing to go to the nail salon? Are you willing to go to the hair salon, right? Remember again, 66% of our economy is based on consumption. If we aren't consuming, the economy will not grow. It will stagnate. So I get it. You want the economy to grow? Well, first, I have to have trust in what you're doing. And the easiest way for me to have trust is you do it first. Mr. Governor, before you go out or before you tell me to go out and spend my money or to risk my life, how about you open up the government first? Open up the state Senate. Open up the state house. Right. Open up the Department of Labor. You know, the people that are supposed to process those unemployment checks when only about 25% of all those unemployment filings have actually turned into receiving benefits. Mm. So the other 75% for the last four or five weeks or six weeks haven't received any benefits. 
yet. So you want to open up the economy, but you don't want to compensate me for my unemployment benefits. You don't want to put your Department of Labor to work to process my paperwork or fix your broken website or whatever it might be. So 75% of the folks haven't got the benefits. 25% over the last six weeks have. That's a lot of folks who don't have any money in their house, which is why you're starting to see these food bank lines increase and increase every single day. But I think that's the bait and switch. That's the bait and switch. It's, oh man, we really want you guys to, to give back, but they really don't. They just want us to spend the money, right? Because they're banking on the fact that the average citizen is going to be reckless with their money and they're going to go back to spending money frivolously as they've always done. You know, that's why think about what they're planning to open. We're going to open retail stores. We're going to open salons, barber shops, the golf course. Come on. They're, right. they're pandering to our inefficiencies of, of in our, our recklessness of how we spend money. The average, the average American is paycheck to paycheck. So they realize that now this could actually change people's buying patterns it already has right people are going to have to live differently they're going to have to spend differently because they don't have as much but if we can get back to a point that that the money's flowing yeah people be right back to spending so they don't care you know so i think that uh, big homie that's a good point and as i was sitting here listening to the comments one of the things that i thought about and it came to me is if it's almost like it's a perfect scenario if I slow down when it is that they get the money until I open the states back up, well, then it can be used to stimulate the economy. If I gave it to them while everything was shut down, then you're right. The only thing that they have to really spend it on is their rent, food from the grocery store and whatever it is that they can procure online. But if you do the timing right, since we've got so many of the payments yeah, now, absolutely. we're opening everything up. And now watch the, the, the floodgates open in terms of their ability to get this money. Now they can go because everybody's been yearning to go to a restaurant and this, that, and the other thing. So, you know, interesting a, a, a thought process. Great point, Booker. Still trying to understand because we still have, I believe, some guidelines for how we're supposed to do social distancing even today. Correct? Correct. Yes. Don't we have guidelines? That's yeah. correct. So I'm trying to understand how those guidelines apply in the hair salon, in the nail salon, and in the barbershop. I'm also trying to figure out how I continue wearing my mask while I'm eating at the restaurant. Some wow. of these things just don't make sense. So stay at home order. We had never heard of that before, right? Shelter in place. We had never heard of it before. Martial law, documented, been there, been used in the past, right? So this is a real deal. Now, Maybe the, the understanding of martial law is not correct because in martial law, you can still go to essential places, but you gotta, there's a curfew, you gotta be home at a certain time, right? What it's doing is it's, it's, it's forcing you to control your own behaviors, right? Because in Chicago, they are at beaches, they're hanging out, they're having house parties, right? How, this thing will never stop spreading. It will be, it will go from a pandemic to an epidemic, right? And then when, when how do you stop it? Because people can't help themselves because we believe on our own. Now, I don't disagree that, that, that we, we have to be cautious, but right now, I think it's too late to do martial law. If we were going to do it, we should have started with it and said, hey, listen, we need, we, need every, we need to lock the country down for the next 14 to 28 days, and then this will slow the curve. But now, 
people are so in such an uproar that I think it'd be virtually impossible to do it today because of what you're saying. People are like, well, can you do that? And now you're, you're taking away my civil liberties by doing so. Hey, so big homie, here's the only thing I'd say to you is that, and I get it, I don't know if it's too late or not, but history shows when has the government implemented something and then reversed it? So the concern should be if they go the route of martial law, mm -hmm. then when, when would it ever be lifted? Because in terms of their ability to lock down and control the population, control people's movements and things of that nature. They would love to have that ability to, to for, for the American people because that's not something that they would go for. So, but under the guise of this pandemic, if you create enough hysteria, then you could get individuals saying, we need it, we need it, we need martial law. We're, save us government, save us. And it's like, listen, trust me when I tell you that's not what we want as a people especially for us or people of color. Right. The last time they did martial law was a de facto martial law that, that I know of was like when, when, when Ferguson happened, right? Um, because they knew there was such civil unrest that they had to find a way to try to control the population, right? So in small, in small snippets, it's, it works. But if there is ambiguity to it, I think that is where you have a problem because you're correct. When's it, what's the guidelines? to when, when it stops, you'll look up and we'll be months and years into it where, you know, it's like a movie. So I, I agree, but I, I think there's there's gotta be a way for us to either get a vaccine, which we don't think will happen for the next 18 months, or we gotta get people to stay away from each other. Based on, again, the fear level of the coronavirus, a lot different than the flu, um, could your employer, as a term of coming back to work, make sure that you get your coronavirus vaccine is it I, I would say it's not off the table you know obviously there hasn't been any discussions that we're aware of or privy to at this point but it definitely doesn't mean that it's not necessarily in the cards so you know again you know there you know as we move throughout this thing there are definitely going to be choices that people have to make um, because I think that that in and of itself uh, definitely requires a deeper exploration, you know, by this team here, um, mm -hmm. because there are a lot of ramifications behind it. And there's a lot of information that individuals would need to know in an effort to make an informed decision. And that's what these podcasts are about, trying to get information to the people so that they can make an informed decision. But if you have another wave and it's even stronger and and you have a lot of folks that are dying and the rate is faster than it was before, an employer might say, you know, uh, we need you to get the vaccine to make sure you're safe to come back to work, to make sure the environment is safe for everyone. And could they say to someone, well, if you don't take this vaccine, you're not coming? Well, uh, they make that true for kids going to school, right? Don't your kids oh, have to go, don't your kids have to get a shot to go to, go to school? No. So they, they would, they would lead you, they would lead you to believe that you're required to take a vaccination in order for your children to enroll in school, but that is not the case. Is that and, now granted I've got an exemption certificate from the director of health for the state, you know, for the state, 
you know, so mm-hmm. it's not like some willy nilly thing that was written up. No, there is protocol in place for you to exempt yourself from that process. But people right. have to do research to understand that that is an avenue that's available to them. Because if you if you understand the uh, you know the law and things of that nature, they're not willing to assume the risk that you know because death can result for some people as a result of them taking some of these vaccinations so they're not mm-hmm. willing to take that risk that's why they suggest in their marketing that it is required but the fact of the matter is it's not it is a choice that you make you just don't know because you've been led by virtue of the marketing to believe it's required so then you go in and you acquiesce mm-hmm. So, so I would say, so I would tell you, less than one percent of people know that. To Booker T's um, point, you must educate yourself. Well, I definitely learned something new on that one. But let's talk a little bit about politics and what it means during this time as well. Where the Democrats feel more or less, we need to help people out until they can help themselves, right? So giving aid is not unusual for a Democratic Party to suggest. But now, all of a sudden, have you seen? Have you seen the tone change? about the Republicans and giving out money? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, The other week, Mitch McConnell, uh, the Senate Majority Leader, was talking about that he wasn't in favor of any additional stimulus, and he even floated the idea of allowing states to go bankrupt if that's what they needed. Now, as a side note, uh, obviously that is uh, against the Constitution for them to be able to go bankrupt, but that's the degree that he was committed to no longer sending stimulus money to support the states to the extent that they would go bankrupt if that if that's what it resulted in. So, yeah. Now, interesting, like you said, he'd have to pass the law first to make sure that's possible. Number one, and number two, he said because a lot of states have mismanaged their budget over the years, right? Which is like. Fair. Yeah, but he's coming from a state that always borrows money from the federal government every single year for the last two decades. But don't we, doesn't the country have a deficit? So yes. the country's mismanaging their money. Yes. Correct. Yes. So what's the difference? What's the difference? Well, you know, I got to blame somebody. Right, right, right. right. Now, Especially now like that you... pot calling the kettle black. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. Not just that tone. But it's a tone about a lot of other things where they feel now that the states are starting to reopen, we need to focus on the economy and stimulate the economy. And if we put more money forward, it should be towards businesses or infrastructure, but it shouldn't be stimulus or aid to um, the people directly. And that's kind of like what I've been hearing as well. Does that sound about right for you, big homie? It, it does, but it's it's... It's contradictive because I'll go back to what you said. The government doesn't drive the economy. Mm -hmm. We do. The citizens drive the economy. So if you if you're not going to help the citizens. What I mean, when's the last time you drove past the mall and it was empty? Right. Uh, Last week. (laughs) (laughs) This This weekend. (laughs) All these big box stores, they are the anchors to these malls. So where are you going to go spend your money? Okay. Oh, all right. No problem. You'll bail them out. But you don't take care of the citizens. The citizens have no money to go spend at the mall. And then here you go. I'll throw you a lot, bitch. Because 
they're fighting to figure out whether they're going to get evicted or not. Well, that's always been the view of the Republicans, right? It's trickle down economics is give the money to the rich or the big industries. Right. And they'll provide for the smaller guys. Right. Right. They'll provide wages for more employees. They'll uh, those economics we give them will eventually trickle down into more jobs or uh, more technology. Uh, and that's what will be the anchors for our economy. But it's not. The anchors for our economy are small businesses. Uh, and again, 66% is based on consumption. I already told you guys, I've got two dates in mind. October and January. Well, why October? Well, a lot of the stimulus things run out in July. So the moratorium on foreclosures, the moratorium on evictions, that additional $600 they gave you added to your unemployment, that runs out in July. So three months from that is October. And the question is, how will banks and landlords act without three months of payment? That, I think, will be a huge tipping point. The other huge tipping point coming in October will be the third quarter earnings of most corporations. The way in October, you're going to see just how hard the airline industry is going to be hit. Right. You haven't seen it yet because they're all on that PPP program. So they're all they're all required to hold all their employees until the end of September. So come October, you're going to see massive layoffs. So, gee, United Mm -hmm. Airlines, customer I know intimately, Mm -hmm. fired thirty four hundred managers. Yeah, they fired them. But that's not even the majority of their workforce. Right. The majority of their workforce is the people working on the plane. Right. And right now, the planes are averaging less than 10 percent of their typical occupancy level. Right. But I'll say this about the airlines. Right. So uh, a leading indicator to how bad it is. There's this guy named Warren Buffett. Right. Mm -hmm. He sold off. He sold off all his stock in airlines. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know what he said to him? Good luck to you. Right. But I also saw the release of the earnings reports from Spirit Airlines and JetBlue. They were a lot worse than the analysts predicted, even after the pandemic. And that's why I keep saying, come Q2, they're going to get hit again, yeah. right? Come Q3, they might, they might go from 10% occupancy to 15, 20. But guess what that means? That means they lay off about 70% of their workforce, right? Those are huge numbers. So you still got those numbers to come um, in reference to just the airline industry. So to me, what you're going to see is kind of like an up and down. It's going to be hard for the economy to get going. The first part of the economy that's got to happen, and this is what a lot of folks in leadership haven't gotten, is trust. If I don't trust what you're saying, if I don't trust you have control of the virus, if I don't trust that you have control of testing, or I don't trust that you can't have a vaccine soon, why would I be out there spending my money? Now, some people are going to be crash dummies and they're going to run out there on the first day. Right. Right. There's going to be plenty of those. I just hope it's not plenty of us. Well, we, we do see that in places like Atlanta, when they opened up, we ran to the parks, we ran, you know, to wherever congregated together and things of this nature. Um, there, there is still a lot of people within our communities that don't believe that this is real because maybe they themselves haven't been touched with it, you know, or by it. They've not been impacted directly. But the fact of the matter is people are dying. Uh, This is a real thing. And you are really rolling the dice, so to speak, each time you choose to turn around and interact with somebody uh, in an unsafe manner.
Okay, why do I say January is the next important date? Well, because by then we'll have most of the corporate Q4 earnings. We'll also have a better realization from the small businesses that they can survive with social distancing and 25 to 50% occupancy. We also should have the second wave of the virus by then. We'll know will we have the second wave or not by January. The other piece will be, I think until then, we're going to have deflation. But sometime between October and January, it'll be important to see if we start to have inflation, which will have a significant impact on our economy again. And last but not least, the vaccine. We won't have any vaccine for the broader community until sometime in January. So what would you recommend for folks as they face their own decision making in reference to their state opening up or their city or town? What would you recommend to the folks who are listening? You have to find a way to minimize your interactions with people and, and, and maintain the distance in your business. Um, you know, I see a lot of manufacturing plants that are like, man, we can be spread out over this building. But when it comes to, in, in my mind, some of the small, small companies that small retail shops, and how, how are you going to do that? Right. It's a family owned business. It's a small restaurant. How are you going to do that? You said it earlier, right? How am I going to go to the restaurant and eat, right? Transition your, you may need to challenge yourself, challenge yourself to change the way you think about your business. You know, curbside. Can you can you put some money towards your marketing to increase your your curbside business versus trying to just re rely on? Well, I've always done it this way, and I got to have people come in and say, "No, the traditional restaurant may change." So, how can you, as a business owner, be out in front of that to try to to try to be an early adopter and the change of the business and adopt that and 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 take advantage of some market share because you're forward thinking versus um, having a traditional mindset. I would also say that one of the things that's difficult, you know, because you turn around when you start talking about working remotely, um, that's great for those individuals who have jobs that offer them that luxury. But the majority of our people are deemed in the service industry and they're on the front lines. They're nurses, they're bus drivers, they're customer service reps, whether that means they're a cashier, whether that means they're a wait staff in a restaurant or what have you, but they are on the front lines and they are interacting with, with large amounts of people on a daily basis for the jobs that they service. So in that scenario, I, you know, what I would offer is you definitely want to make sure that you have the proper PPE, personal protection equipment, in order for you to stay safe if you have to go back to work. That's a fact, Booker T, because in this time, you really have to look at, I could open my business and actually hurt myself because it's gonna cost me so much more to run it than, than if I could do it full staff. So you're really gonna to have to look at, you know, manage your P&L, manage the middle of that P&L, see if you can skin down as much as possible and then figure out what your break even is uh, from a business standpoint. But uh, I think you really gotta either consult with some people that can help you. Um, I know a really good guy that, that knows his numbers pretty well, uh, that can help you understand how to manage those numbers and do that math. But don't just do it on a whim. Don't do it on a feeling. 
you have to do it. And I think at this day, this day and age, you have to do it based on the facts and the data and what the numbers say and what the analytics say. Because if you don't, you could get out there and emotionally feel like you should open your business. And within 30, 60 days, you could be out of business forever. Big homie, that is an excellent point. Um, and it brings to the forefront of my mind about a restaurant. Think about a restaurant. Restaurants right now, because they're not open for the most part, they have negotiating power with their landlords about whether or not they're gonna pay rent, skip a month, try to work out something potentially on the back end or what have you. Once you open the doors, well then that kind of goes off the table. You're supposed to be able to make money and you're supposed to be able to sustain yourself. Now, again, we talked about the power of the consumer and just because you open your doors doesn't mean that the consumers are just going to run and flock to your business and then get you back up to the numbers that you know you, you, you previously had. In addition, the states are saying, well, with social distancing, you only had the ability to, to operate at a certain capacity. Well, as most people, if you understand the retail business, restaurants and things of that nature, I believe, G, if I'm not mistaken, at 70% capacity, you're probably breaking even. You yes. have to be above that in an effort to make a profit. Well, the requirements from the states are not even at 70% capacity. So you're basically saying open up and, and sustain a loss. Correct. Why would you do that? What kind of business model would sustain that? Right. So to your point, Booker, it's about 70% is the break-even point for most restaurants. You have to have 70% capacity, right? So when the states are telling you for social distancing purposes, you can only have 25% of your seating area, right? Or it's 25% of your seating capacity in your same seating area. You're already basically structuring yourself to run at a loss. So let's say you open up all the stores and all the restaurants, although let's realize that some of those stores and restaurants that have closed are never opening back up already, right? There's a good percentage of them that have gone away. And I say roughly about 20% have already gone away. So even if you open all the stores, but you're only doing 25% to 50% of your capacity before, well, that's a problem to your point. It's now like a slow death of your business versus a fast death of your business. You're now using your spare cash flow or any cash reserves you have to fill the gap between the revenue you had before and the 25 to 50% of the revenue you're getting now. So that's dangerous because you're using cash flow for, that you could be using or saving for yourself, your family, and your livelihood to fill the gap or the void in your business that you can no longer get because you're 25 to 50% lower than you were before. This is now an emotional decision and no longer a business decision. There's no way you can run that business for the same revenue you have coming in, for as you were, the same expenses you have coming in with a third of the, of the revenue. It just, it just can't happen. What's not changing is your fixed cost, which is turning on the lights, because whether you have five people in a restaurant or a hundred people in a restaurant, you need the lights on, right? You need electricity on. All with the gas on, all the utilities on, and you got to pay the rent. That's not changing, okay? So all those things aren't going to change, and they're fixed costs. They don't care how much money you make. It's not a percentage of your revenue. It's a flat cost. 
and you can't leverage those costs until you're making enough in profits. What's funny is I told my kids, <clears throat> I said, uh, they're like, man, aren't you tired of being in the house? And I'm like, yeah. I said, but it would be irresponsible of me to go out there and be careless as the breadwinner of our family. So Correct. I got to make sure that I keep myself healthy so that we can we can maintain and sustain our way of living through this COVID-19. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree as well. I agree. And um, I myself uh, choose to go out like early in the morning uh, to try to get it and beat it uh, before, you know, the rush. And I tend to do it on the weekend um, as opposed to during the week um, in order to try to limit um, contact and things of that nature. And I definitely have a routine um, that I go through uh, when getting in and out of the car, you know, putting on and taking off my gloves, having Lysol wipes in the vehicle so you can wipe things down as well as your hands before you're touching your keys, coming back into the house, taking off the shoes and things of that nature. I mean, listen, it's a germ and it can travel you know, whether it be on your person or something that you're bringing into your house. So this is not really something that we have really had to think about, but now it's really forcing that issue. And we need to make sure that it stays in the forefront of our minds so that we can keep ourselves and our loved ones safe. Absolutely. Well, thank you, everyone. And this concludes another episode of Black Ops. And remember, you can reach us and find us on Twitter, Black Op 47489162. Again, that's Black Op 47489162. You can also catch our podcast on Podchaser, Listen Notes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Spotify, and we're also on iHeartRadio now. So you can find us in many different places. So reach out when you can, either on Twitter or Facebook, and hit us up, ask us some questions, or talk about some topics you want us to talk about, and we'll make sure we cover them next time. Take care and have a great one. Black Ops out. Oh, oh, now everybody popping their conscious cherry. <laughs> Everybody's scary. Fall on faith of religion. Praying to God, please spare me. Everybody got a theory. Now everybody want to wake up. I guess that's what it take, yup. Whole world got to get a shake up. Now you focus on more on shaping up and forsaking that shape up. Forsaking that makeup to make up that bank and get your cake up. Yeah, let's see how people start behaving when they know the stakes up. Hope Corona snap you out that coma. Better tighten that lace up for it's a food shortage. Like grocery stores are stampeded. Won't nobody have no need for those drawers if they can't eat it. Jump man got his dunk punch. Man down, you took a gamble. Basically saying fuck lunch. Hope you you understand now they're saying nothing more scary than a killer when you can't see it but all it took was opening eyes to see the people have been bleeding they say it feel like you underwater but i've been heard the reason see the real disease it was waiting for the coughing and trouble breathing you popping that conscious cherry while they stocking apothecaries with a demon semen i hide the real reason for our bereavement everybody praying to god over watch you give us the treatment label the cure but really the next tonic to keep us dreaming we was moving when the break lights yeah and i heard them good at at times I really ain't like, yeah, but we gotta fight the great fight. Yeah, but we gotta fight the great fight.